And welcome back to another edition of the Draft Board Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at JReedNFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D NFL. You can find my work on thedraftnetwork.com. Also, climbingthepocket.com. We all have some great work going up there. I have some pieces that I just released this entire week. I'm actually doing a piece a day for the Draft Network. It's been a grind, but I absolutely love putting out content, just teaching you guys some things that I'm learning and shedding some light on some of the things that I see throughout the league. That's that's the purpose of some of the articles, like reading between the lines. And I talked about the offensive line mastermind segment that happened down in Frisco, Texas last week, something that Lane Johnson and Duke Mannyweather, who was an offensive line guru, put together. And I just wanted to shed some light on that just because a lot of people you see, they just want more information about it. Even though we're not there, we're still able to cover some of the information that happened there, some of the happenings that happened with that. Also, I just had a piece released two days ago on Jordan Love, the Utah State quarterback who is getting a ton of buzz right now and his stock is just soaring. So I wanted to shed some light on his story. He has a terrific story. Make sure you go check that out on the draftnetwork.com. Utah State's actual football page actually retweeted it. So I just wanted to thank you guys if you're listening. Uh, just thank you for that because the piece did receive a much more love than I thought it was going to get. No pun intended. But for today's show, I have a lot of things that I want to get to. Uh, something that I am introducing is that I'm going to have a segment called Rookie Spotlight where I'm highlighting some guys from around the league, and I'm going to go in sequential order. And I'm only going to do first-round guys just because, of course, we can't get to all 200-plus guys around the league. That's just unrealistic and impossible. So I'm only going to go through the first-round guys. And as we go through training camp, I'm going to hit each and every guy uh, that was selected in the first round. And I'm going to go in threes. So the first three we'll be going with today are Kyler Murray with the Arizona Cardinals, Nick Bosa with the 49ers, and, of course, Quentin Williams with the Jets. And also, during the back portions of the show, I'm going to give a divisional preview. And what I mean by that, or I should say a conference preview, I should say, I'm going to go conference by conference and give a preview of exactly what I think. I'm going to give some record predictions of some MVP and some superlatives that I'm going to hand out, preseason superlatives that I think is going to help uh, some of these teams throughout the league. So today's segment, or the back end of today's segment and the conference that I'm going to focus on is the NFC North with the Detroit Lions, the Chicago Bears, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Green Bay Packers. I'm just going to give my thoughts on each team, record prediction, and some some superlatives. So that's just the insight exactly what's going on with the show. So I want to jump right into this thing. And Kyler Murray with the Arizona Cardinals with this rookie spotlight, a segment that I'm going to really love doing, just giving my initial thoughts on some expectations for them and just what their thoughts could be going into the season and with Kyler Murray and this is a difficult situation for him to be in, especially with Josh Rosen now exiting out the door to the Miami Dolphins. They ended up trading him for a second round selection. He walks into a situation in a very similar situation that Rosen walked into last year. But I think the talent is a bit more richer than what Rosen walked into last year. I think the cut was very bare uh, from what he endured last year. But with Kyler Murray, I think he's a guy that could flourish in this offense. And I say that because with Steve Wilkes, and Josh Rosen, that just didn't seem like a match. And the chemistry between Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, the newly named head coach there in the desert, I think their chemistry is much more apparent just because they have prior experience with each other. And chemistry is so big in today's game, especially with a head coach or an offensive-minded head coach and a young quarterback. We see it throughout the league. We saw it last year 
with Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield. Another great example is Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson and Sean McVay and Jared Goff. That's another great example. And if I was a general manager, there is no way in the world that I'm hiring a defensive minded head coach. If I had in mind that I was going to take a young quarterback just because I want my young quarterback to be attached at the hip with that guy for a decade plus. And that's what we're seeing with McVay and Goff. I think they're going to be tied together for a very long time in a similar situation with the Eagles, with Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. So with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, a lot of fans in the desert are hoping that this relationship can withstand and eventually last over the long haul. And I think it has a really good chance of doing that just because I think Kyler Murray is going to be very electric. And I sent out a tweet yesterday. And it was a, a Sports Illustrated article from Robert Klimko, I believe it was, from the Monday Morning, Monday Morning Quarterback. And he had a great quote from Larry Fitzgerald. And the quote was saying that Kyler Murray is already checking into favorable plays for the offense and audibles. He's audibling out of plays and putting them in favorable situations, I should say. I should say, excuse me. But the thing about that is... He's already ahead of the learning curve. And what I mean by that, with these rookie quarterbacks, there's so much that goes into it from memorizing the playbook, knowing where progressions are, knowing your personnel, while also adjusting to the speed of the game. So these are some of the things that they really have to evolve and develop. But with Kyler Murray, he's already ahead of the learning curve because he already has experience in this playbook. He's had previous experience with Cliff Kingsbury, and the terminology is very similar to the air raid system that Lincoln Riley incorporated during his days at Oklahoma previously. So Kyler Murray is already going to come in knowing the terminology, and he's already a step ahead in that he already is able to check out a place. And he's not only just learning them, but he already has a great grasp of exactly what Kingsbury is trying to do. But he also knows the extra incentives that come with it and the extra ingredients that are already attached to plays to where he can get out of dangerous situations. So Fitzgerald coming out and saying that a guy who who has been in the league for a very long time and a future Hall of Famer coming out and saying that about his rookie quarterback, I think that says a lot about him. And Three, he's going to have three televised preseason games, and all eyes are going to be on Kyler Murray in the desert, and I cannot wait to see how he ends up playing because that division is very tough. I think it's one of the more or one of the more competitive ones throughout the NFL. You have the tough Seattle Seahawks, who are always a very good team, even even when they did a rebuild on the fly. Essentially, that defense is always going to be loaded. Russell Wilson is going to spearhead that offense, so they're always going to have a chance with him being under center. I think the 49ers are going to be better this year as long as they stay healthy. And the Rams, of course, they're always going to be tough after winning that division a year ago. So this is a very tough division. The Cardinals are really fighting an uphill battle. And I still think they're definitely a team probably in the second phase of the rebuild. They're hoping that they have their quarterback in place in Kyler Murray. And I love what they did during the draft. I think Byron Murphy is going to be a starter for them, especially with Patrick Peterson being suspended for the first six weeks of the season. So he's going to have to step in and start right away. They got some extra weapons for Kyler Murray out on the perimeter because their receiver room just wasn't very good last year outside of Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. But you go out and you get Andy Isabella, you get Hakeem Butler, and even a guy like Keyshawn Johnson, I think, can help them right away. And Ricky Seals-Jones, who was a nice piece that they found as an undrafted free agent a couple years ago at that tight end spot, I think can definitely be an added incentive as well. So Kingsbury has a lot of toys on this offense. It's just a matter of putting them together and being able to orchestrate this attack. So keep an eye on the attack in the desert. And I didn't even mention David Johnson, a guy who had a, who took a massive step back last year. But I think that was just because of Mike McCoy's offensive system and just slamming him up the middle continuously. That's just not his game. 
you just want to get him out on the perimeter, allow him to run in the backfield as well, not just up the middle, allow him to run outside, outside zone, inside zone, getting some of these stretch runs to where he can use his supreme versatility to his advantage. And I'm excited to see what Kingsbury does with this offense uh, out in the desert. And I think they probably could end up, I think, five to six wins. I think that's the max, absolute max for this team just because of the, the lack of talent that they do have. But I think Kyler Murray is going to be over, be able to overcompensate and help get them out of some unfavorable situations. So I'm really excited to mainly see how this offense operates. Moving on to the second overall selection with Nick Bosa from the San Francisco 49ers, who still remains unsigned, by the way. And a lot of conspiracy theories out there saying that he's copying the track that his brother had, Joey, out with the Los Angeles Chargers. And everyone knows about that situation that happened with him and his contract holdout and how that went well into training camp. So there's a lot of question marks surrounding that, especially with training camp essentially here. And with Bosa, I think he's a guy that's going to step into a situation and be a starter right away, of course, whenever he does end up signing. And I love this defensive line that they have put together, uh, trading for D. Ford, bringing him over uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs, DeForest Buckner, who I think is an absolute stud. And then you have other guys in the middle as well who is very promising, but still trying to find their way. Solomon Thomas is another example of a guy that's still trying to find his way eric armstead another guy that's still trying to find some type of consistency as well so this defensive line has the potential to be very good it's just a matter of them taking the next step in their development but you talk about a team that was very bad up front last year they only forced seven turnovers last year which was a nfl record for the lowest amount ever with nick bosa what he brings to the table how he's able to force fumbles and be a closer and what i mean by a closer is that he finishes plays with sacks when he generates penetration in the backfield. And he's also able to bring that added incentive to the table of being able to force fumbles as well. So I'm really excited to see how his presence in this defense really transcends it because I think it can take it to another level. While they do have some questions on the back end of the defense, Richard Sherman is still a productive player. Jimmy Ward is still a productive player as well. So they do have some some interesting pieces back there. But uh, in the middle of the defense, they did have some added pieces. Um, they added over or they bought in or I shouldn't say they bought in Fred Warner is another really good piece and they paid a lot of money for linebackers and free agency as well so they're going to have a formidable duo in the middle of that defense I'm really interested to see exactly what happens uh, with that situation that's going on with the 49ers right now because I think this could be a sleeper team even though we do say that every year it's just a matter of them staying healthy and that's always been the bugaboo for, for them their biggest weakness they just haven't been able to stay healthy Jimmy Garoppolo going down last year Jarek McKinnon another example of a very important offensive piece going down in training camp so if this team was able to stay healthy I could see them being one of the surprises of the NFC and that's what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan need because entering year three there's a lot of expectations for this team and they just haven't been able to fulfill what a lot of the promise that a lot of people were labeling them as having after they took this job Kyle Shanahan immediately taking it after the failure in the Super Bowl and his essentially high-powered offense that a lot of people have already seen but it's just a matter of having the the right guy in place we've only seen Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard really being under center for this team we want to see Jimmy Garoppolo man this team to victory like they like they envisioned him after giving him that five-year 130 plus million dollar contract making him at the time the highest paid quarterback in the entire league so the 49ers are an intriguing team and I'm looking forward to seeing what Nick Bosa can do in this defense especially combined with the offense that can be very explosive 
Moving on to the third overall selection, and that's Quentin Williams with the New York Jets, a team that I think could be a very, very deep sleeper in the AFC East. And I say that because, yes, I know the Patriots are going to win this division. You're silly if you think they're not going to win this division barring injury. They've won it for a decade plus, and I don't think that or I don't expect that to change at all. But I think this is a sleeper division. The Dolphins are still rebuilding. They're going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. But I think the Bills have one of the best, if not the best, offseason of any team in the league. And also the New York Jets, they spent a lot of money in free agency. C.J. Mosley. Another big name that's coming over, Le'Veon Bell coming over from the Steelers and a lot of other money spent elsewhere as well. So I'm interested to see exactly how all these new moving parts really incorporate into this defense. But staying on subject with Quentin Williams, you pair him with Leonard Williams in the middle of Greg Williams defense. A lot of Williams there to have a lot of Williams in New York. But you couple or you combine all those guys together. And I just love the speed that the Jets have on all three levels of the defense. You have Quentin Williams and Leonard Williams on the first level. Also, you draft a guy like Ja'Kai Falai, who they're hoping can get back to his normal form like he showed when he was at Florida. And I'm really interested to see exactly what happens with the with this defensive line because they are starred for pass rushers. And they really haven't had a, that feared guy since the glory days of Muhammad Wilkerson, even going back to the days of John Abraham and Sean Ellis. That's really the last time that they've, that they've had a feared defensive lineman that you really had to game plan against. So I think Quentin Williams can be that transcendent piece in the middle. Then on the second level, you have C.J. Mosley, Avery Williamson, who I think is an underrated player. And then on the back end, of course, you have Jamal Adams, who is the leader, if not the face of the franchise for this team on the defensive side. So with the New York Jets, I think they have a very underrated defense. It's just a matter of Greg Williams galvanizing this unit and putting it all together. But with Quentin Williams, it would not surprise me at all if he is a first team all pro. The first the first minute that he steps on the field, I think he's going to have a terrific impact just because he was my top ranked prospect in the entire draft. And I'm not just saying that just to protect protect my draft board. I think he went to a great situation because he's going to a penetrating style of defense. Greg Williams wants to heat up offenses. He wants to make them antsy. He wants to blitz every time he can. And with Quentin Williams, that really fits his style because he's a true up the field threat. He wants to penetrate, get up the field right now. And that's exactly the type of defense and the type of player that Greg Williams wants to incorporate in his defense. So I'm really interested to see exactly how Quentin Williams' talents really translate into this defense and if he can be that integral piece that they're hoping after selecting him with the third overall selection for the New York Jets in the middle of Adam Gates' defense. Before we move on to my conference preview of the NFC North with Detroit Lions, the Minnesota Vikings, the Green Bay Packers, and the Chicago Bears, here's a word from Blue Wire sponsors. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blades, rich, lathering shave gel, and even a travel blade cover. Get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a very fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com 
slash blue wire. All of Harry's blades comes with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash blue wire. Again, that's harrys.com slash B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E to redeem your razor for only $3. And now we'll dive into the preview of the NFC North, the division that I think is going to be one of the more competitive throughout the entire NFL. And so the format of this is going to be, I'm going to go from worst to first of the teams that I think are going to be the worst in the division. And I'm going to go all the way to the team that is going to finish first. And I'm going to give out superlatives. I'm only going to give out two, MVP and Rookie of the Year, just because I think those are the most basic. And it's really hard to decipher any of the others, just looking at the landscape of the roster right now. So I want to start off with the Detroit Lions. And I think they're going to end up 7-9. and nine. And I've been very adamant about this, and I think this could be a team that is a prime candidate to blow it up at the end of the year, even though they have invested in Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn heavily. And the Fords have come out and said that they firmly believe in those two. But I just don't see the path to success for this team, especially in this division. And yes, the Lions have talent. I'm a big fan of Kenny, Kenny Galladay on the perimeter. Marvin Jones is a very underrated receiver out on the edge. They've They've invested heavily in this offensive line, taking Frank Ragnow, Taylor Decker, first-round selections, picking up Bo Benchow, who was a very underrated uh, free agent, undrafted free agent, I should say. I think he's going to end up being probably that sixth or seventh man off the bench in that rotation. So I'm really interested to see exactly what happens, specifically offensively, just because I think that's probably where they were lacking a year ago, even though their secondary did need some help and they did address it, bringing over Justin Coleman from the Seattle Seahawks to play their nickel spot. They, I think they still have some questions in the secondary opposite of Darius opposite of Darius Slade. They did lose Glover Quinn. Uh, they end up releasing him, who has now since retired. So Miles Killebrew really steps into a situation where he has to be uh, that maybe that free safety or if Quandre Diggs transitions over to be the free safety and Killebrew transitions to the strong safety. They also still have Tavon Wilson, who has started at both spots in the past uh, for this team. But I just don't see the path to success for them just because I think the cup is very bare as far as being able to compete in this division. It wouldn't surprise me if they end up only getting one or two wins within a division. Maybe they split with one of these other teams. But as far as having a winning record in this division, I just don't see it. As far as an MVP, I think it's an easy choice. I think it's Matthew Stafford, a guy that's been with this team for over a decade now, or right at a decade now, I should say. Uh, so I think I think the world of Matthew Stafford, I think he's very underrated. He's just been put in a bad situation over the years, ever since Calvin Johnson has announced his retirement. They really haven't been able to help him on the perimeter, even though Galladay and Marvin Jones and Golden Tate were reliable options. But this offensive line just hasn't been able to hold up. So I have the Lions at 7-9. and nine. That's my prediction for them. Rookie of the year, I have TJ Hawkinson, who was the first-round selection from this year out of Iowa. With the eighth overall selection, I think he's going to come in and be able to help that running game. I think Carryon Johnson is going to be fully entrenched as the top option in the backfield there. It wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being a thousand yard rusher if he's able to stay healthy. So I have the lines at seven and nine. The next team I have in the division, this may come as a bit of a surprise. 
I think this team is going to take a bit of a step back last year, and I think last year was more of an outlier season, and that's the Chicago Bears. I actually have them at 9-7, and seven, even though Chuck Pagano has stepped in for this defense and overtook Vic Fangio, who has since left to be the head coach of the Denver Broncos. And I say they're going to take a step back because their defense was so good last year, and there were so many outliers with them as far as first forcing turnovers and being able to turn that into touchdowns for the offense. I just don't see that same path to success happening for this team. And I think their defense is going to take, I don't want to say a massive step back, but I don't expect them to be one of the better ones throughout the league. I think they still are going to be top 10, but top five, I don't think they're going to be that, even though they still have Khalil Mack coming off of the edge. Leonard Floyd is another good player coming off of the edge. And they still have Akeem Hicks manning in the middle of that defense as well. So they still have a lot of talent on the defense, but I think they're going to take a step back, especially losing a guy like Adrian Amos, who I thought was a very underrated piece on the back end of that defense. Roquan Smith really came into his own uh, during the mid portions of last year. Once he was able to be fully incorporated after missing uh, about a week of training camp last year. So he was a bit of a step behind, but once the light did click for him, I think things really are going to really start to come really started to be better for him as far as the game slowing down, being able to mentally process exactly what was going on in front of him. But it is no secret who the season really falls upon, and that's Mitchell Trubisky taking the next step in his development. And I thought he took a step forward last year, but it's just finding a fine line of consistency with him. And that's been his biggest weakness. Sometimes he'll look like a guy that's taking the next step in his development, and then he'll take a step back the week after that so it's just finding that fine line of consistency and I think the pairing with him and Matt Nagy are really going to help him a lot but I want to see him take an even greater step this year and not be I don't want to say he because he was not a hindrance to the offense last year but when they need him to make plays prior to the fourth quarter he just really wasn't able to consistently do that and he did it in spots but I thought he missed a lot of opportunities last year whether that was overthrows or simply just not seeing guys in the progression so taking advantage of those alley-oops and capitalizing on the opportunity that opportunities that are presented. I want to see him be able to do that and taking the next step in his development. But it's no surprise or no secret that this year solely reply or relies on Mitchell Trubisky taking that next step. But I think this defense is going to take a bit of a step back just because of Vic Fangio and his scheme, I think is much better than what Chuck Pagano brings to the table. And that's not a knock against Pagano. I just don't think he's as great of a mind as what Vic Fangio and how well the chemistry was between the personnel and his scheme last year so um, I got the Bears at 9-7 finishing third in this division and it wouldn't surprise me if this division puts three teams in the playoffs the Bears may be getting that second wild card spot and the third or the second team I should say moving on the team that I have finishing second in this division is the Minnesota Vikings I actually have them at 9-7 and seven as well similar to the Bears their season falls upon the quarterback Kirk Cousins has to play better this year in primetime games, and he showed a lot of promise last year. I don't want to take anything away from him because a lot of people make it seem like he absolutely stunk last year, and he did not. He played very, very cleanly in some spots. Against the Eagles was a prime example. Against the Packers in Week 2, against the four, in the fourth quarter in overtime, and also in Los Angeles against the Rams. I thought he had a very successful outing. The defense just had a bad day during that game but I have the Vikings at nine and seven as far as the MVP and I firmly believe this if he's able to 
if he's able to stay healthy, I think Dalvin Cook is going to have a huge year. And I say that because they brought in Gary Kubiak uh, from the Denver Broncos and his zone scheme. And, yes, Kevin Stefanski is the team's offensive coordinator, but Gary Kubiak is going to have a lot of influence on this offense. And he is predicated upon and relies heavily upon outside zone running schemes. And if you go back and look at the numbers, whether that was analytically, Pro Football Focus has them stacked everywhere. Just how successful Dalvin Cook was running outside zone concepts. That's his bread and butter. That's where his confidence lies just because he's a one-cut-and-go type of rusher. He's not a guy that's going to make guys consistently miss in space repeatedly. But if he's able to be, if he's able to get small creases and able to hit it vertically, that's where he, that's where he really butters his bread. And that's where the, the great parts of his game really lie. And that's exactly what this outside zone running scheme really is predicated upon. So I think Dalvin Cook can have a really good season, not just as a rusher, but as a receiver out of the backfield as well. And I love how Stefanski attempted to incorporate him into the passing game a bit more last year, whether that was putting him in a slot or flexing him out, out, out wide as well. So I'm really interested to see exactly how they incorporate him in this outside zone running scheme. And I think he can have a very successful a season in 2019 as far as the rookie of the year i have garrett bradbury and that's no secret at all he's going to be the guy man in the middle in this offense he's going to be the day one center just because you don't fin- you don't spend a first round pick on a guy and have him sit on the bench specifically an offensive lineman that you want to help out especially with their offensive line being so poor a year ago your interior unit Bradbury fits perfectly in Gary Kubiak's system because he's not a guy that's going to get vertical movement. He wins with angles and with east and west movements. And that's exactly what Kevin Stefanski wants to incorporate in this offense, more of a lateral type of dominance as opposed to vertically you know, mauling guys off of the ball. So I want to see what Gary Bradbury is able to do. And this is going to be a huge test for him within the division because Twice a year, he's going against Akeem Hicks, Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, Snacks Harrison, Sean Robinson. These upper-tier type of interior defenders that really are going to be pocket pushers. So, Gary Bradbury may have a hard time as far as setting his base and anchoring within the pocket. That's something I want to see him be able to adjust and get better at as the year goes along. So, I will have my eye on him. But for the Vikings MVP, I have Dalvin Cook, Rookie of the Year, Gary Bradbury. And I want to back up. Bears fans, I want to apologize because I did not do MVP and I did not do Rookie of the Year. MVP, of course, is going to be Khalil Mack on the defensive side of the ball. And then Rookie of the Year, who I think is going to have a big year. And it would not surprise me if he is the league's leading rushers amongst the rookies. Not as far as the entire league, but just amongst rookies. And that's David Montgomery. With the third round selection, I think he landed in a perfect spot, especially with this team trading Jordan Howard to the Philadelphia Eagles. I think Montgomery steps into a situation where he can be the top running back and being incorporated alongside Tariq Cohen, who is another versatile option in that very wide and diverse Bears offense. So David Montgomery for MVP or David Montgomery for rookie of the year, I should say, and Khalil Mack for the obvious MVP for the Chicago Bears and the team that I have finishing first in the division and who I have a lot of high expectations for this year. I think they have a chance to be really good. And that's the green Bay Packers. Of course, the MVP is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Everything goes through him offensively. And I think with him and Matt LaFleur 
I think they can have a very successful relationship because he's going to give Aaron Rodgers a bit more freedom at the line of scrimmage, being able to check out a plays, trusting what he sees, and then going out and executing those plays. I think that's something that Aaron Rodgers always wanted to do in Mike McCarthy's offense, but he just did not allow him to do that and that type of freedom. And with these two, I think they can have a very successful relationship. And it's no secret that Aaron Rodgers is going to come out with a vengeance. He's going to play with his hair on fire. He's going to be wanting to sling the ball all over the yard. But the biggest thing for him is just durability. That's the biggest question about Aaron Rodgers right now. He has the collarbone issue. He had his issues last year staying healthy as well. Didn't He wasn't able to finish the year last year. So if he's able to stay healthy, it wouldn't surprise me to be for him to be an MVP candidate. But I have the Packers with a 10-6 and record. And I think that's going to win this division just because I think this is going to be a collision course. I think they're going to beat up each other. And the NFC North is so talented. There's so many great teams in this division. It would not surprise me if any of these teams outside of the Lions wins this division because I think it's very good throughout. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Packers, the Bears, or the Vikings end up winning this division. I could see any of those three, but I just don't see the road to success for the Detroit Lions just because of how loaded this division is. And I think they're just a step behind the rest. And that's it. That's this week's show. And that's just a bite into the apple of exactly what I'm going to be doing over the next few weeks. I really like the Rookie Spotlight segment because that allows me just to shed some light on exactly what I'm thinking about some of these first-round selections. So we've already went through the first three with Kyler Murray, Nick Bosa, and Quentin Williams. Next week, we'll get into Cleveland Farrell with the Oakland Raiders, Devin White with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Daniel Jones with the New York Giants. I'll give my thoughts on all three of those. And then we'll move on to the AFC North, another division that I think could be very competitive. I'm interested to see exactly what happens with the outcome of that division. Of course, I'll still give out my superlatives with the rookie of the year and also my MVP selections. I think for that division, there's some very easy selections, especially with how much talent they do have within that division. So I'm interested to see exactly what happens as far as the outcome. And if my predictions come true with these superlatives, that's the beauty of the NFL and the preseason talk because we have absolutely no clue what's going to happen. And that's what makes the football season so enjoyable and intriguing. But once again, you can find my work on the draftnetwork.com. Also climbing the pocket. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D-NFL. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you have not, leave an iTunes review. Five stars only, please, (laughs) because that helps me a lot. But once again, thank you guys for listening to the Draft Board Podcast, and I hope to see you again next week.